Hello and welcome to this GCP short produced in collaboration with Walker's law firm in Guernsey. Over the next 20 minutes or so, we are going to address an area of captive utilization that we have only ever really touched upon briefly on the pod before, and that is pension longevity transfers. As many listeners will know, the use of Guernsey incorporated cell companies has more often than not been the vehicle of choice for such transactions. So we are going to hear from Kate Storey, partner at Walker's, and Ian Ailey, head of transactions at Willis Towers Watson. Ian and Kate are going to talk us through in great detail, actually, what these transactions are, why they are becoming more commonplace, and why the Guernsey ICC has really come to the fore for this strategy. We're also going to debate why sometimes using an existing single parent captive isn't the right way to do this Um, but we start with Ian explaining what a pension longevity transfer is. Thank you Richard. So a longevity risk transfer is essentially a financial instrument which is used to transfer the risk that because people live longer than expected the buyer of that uh, uh, protection is covered from a potential loss against the budget they had laid out for paying pensions. So if we think about a defined benefit pension scheme, the pension scheme is committed to pay pensioners for life. What they don't know is how long each individual within the scheme is going to to live. So they make some assumptions and set their financial projections around those assumptions. If, however, members live longer, then those assumptions are stressed and there is effectively a financial loss. So a longevity risk transfer or a longevity swap can be used to transfer that risk to the financial markets. Fantastic. So we hear a lot, Ian, about these transactions taking place, uh, particularly in Guernsey and using incorporated cell companies. Why has, from your perspective, why has the ICC, the incorporated cell company, become an ideal platform to execute these? In order for a pension scheme in the UK to transact longevity risk, to pass it to the financial markets, there needs to be a counterpart that wants to take that risk. And in reality, that is the um, the global reinsurance market. Now, as something of a quirk of the UK um, insurance and reinsurance regulations, a UK pension fund cannot transact directly with a reinsurer. There has to be an insurer in the chain. So the pension fund transacts with an insurer who in turn passes that risk on to a reinsurer. So to your question, Richard, you know, why the use of Guernsey ICCs? Well, that, that insurer in the middle is not actually taking any longevity risk. They're simply acting as a conduit to access the reinsurance markets. So a few years ago, the first transaction of this nature was, was British Telecom Pension Scheme back in 2014, devised a, a, a method of accessing the reinsurance markets using a captive as that conduit or carrier of the risk to transfer it onto the reinsurance market. And and the reason this has been uh, effective is it it allows a cost-effective access to the principal counterpart, the reinsurer. Thanks, Ian. So, Kate, from the Guernsey perspective on this, obviously, Guernsey is one of the original places or the original place, particularly for cell companies, captive type cell companies. We've got the PCC, the protected cell company, got ICC, the incorporated cell company. Why is it the ICC, which has been particularly useful in these cases, maybe compared to PCCs? And why do you think 
Guernsey's ended up being the domicile of choice because there are other jurisdictions which do have cell company legislation. Yeah, so Guernsey actually pioneered the concept of cell companies way back in 1997. And so it's got the the longest and most established track record of dealing and managing cell companies. And they actually introduced the incorporated cell company a decade after the protected cell company in 2006. And that sort of extended the idea of of a protected cell company by incorporating each of the cells. So each of the cells within the structure are a company in their own right. So that gives an extra layer of segregation of assets and liabilities compared to a protected cell company where the cells are not legal entities in their own right. They're they're just statutory segregations of assets and liabilities in one entity. Whereas the incorporated cell company, you have an umbrella incorporated cell company at the top. And then under that umbrella, you've got any number of incorporated cells, which are separate companies. They're not subsidiaries of the incorporated cell company, but they all sit within the same structure. And so you've got really good cost efficiencies of having separate legal entities, but within one legal umbrella structure. And uh, we found that trustees really like using that because you have got that asset and liability segregation between cells, but there are those cost efficiencies of just the one structure under management by the local insurance manager. So Ian, you mentioned that obviously to access the, the, the reinsurance markets, there needs to be that insurer in the middle. Presumably another way, rather than setting up your own incorporated cell, another way to do it would be to use a, a commercial UK insurer as kind of a UK pass-through. Is that is that an option which, which people use? And, and why has this the Guernsey incorporated cell route kind of become the kind of chosen one? Yes, it is an option using a a UK insurer. And perhaps to answer your question, I'll I'll go back a little further to the genesis of the longevity swap market, which was back in uh, 2009. And actually then the initial transactions were used using an investment bank as the conduit and written in uh, a derivative form. And the reason I go back to there is to illustrate why one of the reasons why a client might be concerned about using a UK insurer, because those providers have all withdrawn from the market. And these transactions are 40, 50, 60 years duration, potentially. So what are the options? Well, you could use a UK insurer, or as we've already said, you could use a, a, a captive in Guernsey, or indeed, in some instances, or in one instance, in a, in a different uh, jurisdiction. But primarily, it's been in Guernsey that the longevity transactions have taken place. So what, what's the choice facing a pension scheme? Um, and, and why would they choose one approach as opposed to the other approach. So if we start with the UK insurer, generally using a pass-through structure, so passing the longevity risk straight through to the reinsurer. So that offers the pension scheme a ready-made route to outsource much of the operational and governance to, to a specialist provider. It may, however, be more expensive, although the price, the cost differential is perhaps significantly lower than it was some some years ago. But what it does do using a, a UK insurer is it introduces a third party which has its own commercial aspirations and objectives. And that does tend to result in the longevity swap terms themselves being adjusted in order to accommodate this third party, the UK insurer. So the, requ- the requirements of the pension scheme are not necessarily perfectly met because 
there is this third party, not a principal to the transaction, that has some influence on the contracting. And similarly, that that uh, that influence may be uh, applicable at, the, at exiting the transaction. So the UK insurer will have some some requirements around exiting the transaction, be that cost or or structural. Conversely, the captive, the ICC structure, what that has is yes, yeah, yeah, certainly. The pension scheme has greater influence around the terms of the reinsurer, both initially and throughout the contract. So that's a positive from the pension scheme's perspective, and it's likely to be more cost effective. Another positive from the pension scheme's perspective. It does, however, come with a, uh, a, a more of a governance burden that perhaps Kate will touch on shortly. And it also brings a different kind of risk to the trustee, the risk of the captive being taken onshore to mainland UK. Now, this can be managed and mitigated through um, the appropriate governance process, but 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 it, but it is a consideration. So, really, which which route, which of these two routes, both are viable? Does a pension trust choose or select? Well, it really depends on their their preferences in those in that balance between the the, the risks and the benefits. Just on the question of why why use Guernsey to set up this incorporated cell captive structure. As Ian was talking about, if you set up your own captive, you've inevitably got more control over the whole process. You can design your captive, as with any captive, not just longevity captive, you can design it for your bespoke requirements. And Guernsey is actually the leading captive domicile in Europe and has many, many years of experience of formation and management of of captive structures. And the trustee gets control over the captive structure in a number of ways. Firstly, they own the shares in, in the captive incorporated cell. So they're a shareholder with, with the normal shareholders' rights you have in any company. But also, they can put a representative on the board of the captive, either a board member itself, or they can have a representative attend board meetings for oversight of board meeting proceedings. So there is that flexibility of, of how involved the trustee wants to get in the oversight of the, the captive. Um, whereas obviously with a third party insurer, you, you don't have that element of control and oversight. So what, what strikes me as being particularly interesting, Ian, is that we, you mentioned BT, so I'll use them as an example. You know, most of the, the, the public cases we've heard about these transactions taking place, and it is obviously between the trust, it's the trust which is taking part in these transactions rather than the, the related corporate, so, so to speak, is most of those corporates do have large, sophisticated captives already in place. Why do we see the schemes looking to set up their own IC? Could, could they not use the existing captive, whether it be in Guernsey or in Dublin or, or wherever? Why is it preferable to go set up a separate vehicle to conduct the transaction, not just use an existing captive already in place for the corporate? So, Richard, you're right. Theor- theoretically, one could use uh, a captive that is already in place, you know, being run by the corporate for... Uh, managing of other risks. In practice, our experience has been both working with the trustees and and, and their sponsor. Uh, there's been a preference from the buyer side and also from the reinsurer side that the captive used is completely independent of other other arrangements. Now, through the protected cell um, structure, of course, you could you can create and independence to a degree. However, we've also found that um, in most instances, the captives that are in existence don't actually hold the 
the, the right license to carry longevity risk. And then consequently, you have a process to go through to vary the license. And it, it just seems that um, the, the amount of work involved with that is not materially less than the amount of work with setting up a, a longevity uh, bespoke captive. So in practice, what we've seen is the pension trust has either um, set up an ICC as BT did and then had a number of ICs potentially uh, established within that ICC or used an existing ICC from a provider and um, had what we would describe as a an off-the-shelf IC established for their longevity swap. Yeah, and from the Guernsey perspective, it's better to set up a new incorporated cell for this longevity swap because you have the advantage of being able to come under the more flexible regulatory regime for special purpose vehicles in Guernsey, which has lesser regulatory requirements generally. There are um, capital insolvency waivers and waivers of the requirement to appoint an actuary, uh, which you don't get where you're setting the standard uh, life insurance captive. Um, so there is definitely an advantage of setting up a special purpose vehicle in terms of the availability of that uh, more flexible regulatory regime in Guernsey. And in Guernsey, as, as Ian touched on, there is the ability to set up your, your own entire incorporated cell company structure or just to take an incorporated cell in a pre-existing structure that's been established and owned by one of the insurance managers. So we, we see a combination of, of those things happening. And the, the beauty of an incorporated cell is that it offers portability for the transaction. Um, so it's very easy once you've done the transaction in the incorporated cell to then novate the transaction to another insurer, uh, perhaps on buy-in or to an alternative longevity swap provider. And they're also structuring options in terms of being able to transfer the incorporated cell to an alternative incorporated cell company structure or to spin off the incorporated cell into a standalone company. So there are all of these restructuring options available by using an incorporated cell in Guernsey, which makes it very easy and flexible to move to either an alternative insurer or moving to buy-in. And that is the case with the majority of the Guernsey longevity swaps. The aim is in the future to move to a buy-in and the incorporated cell longevity swap offers a very useful stepping stone to achieve that. But actually, we are now beginning to see UK clients looking at using a standard Guernsey captive uh, to, to affect a buy-in. So moving straight to a buy-in using a Guernsey captive, that's something that's developed recently that we're looking at. That would be a different structure. That would be a standard captive as opposed to this special purpose longevity vehicle that we're talking about today. Great. Thanks, Kate. And that's uh, one of the most comprehensive answers I've heard to that question regarding why use an IC versus an, an existing captive. Ian, some of the numbers uh, in these transactions are, are pretty big, uh, quite large numbers, much larger than we're typically used to in, in the broader captive world, I think. What, what is the size of these transfers that makes the, the strategy, the IC strategy viable? Just if I start answering that, Richard, from, from the reinsurer's perspective. So reinsurers by nature are, are wholesalers and they like to have a diversification of risk. So typically, you, the, the, the reinsurers have, a, have a, a desire of a minimum size of 
transaction, which might be entry level, might be a, a you know sort of mid hundreds of millions, and then they get more and more comfortable as you get into the billions. So, and then set the second sort of leg of limb of your question is, you know, where, where does the, the Guernsey captive sort of enter in terms of, uh, in, in terms of minimum size? And, and theoretically, for a few hundred million, you could use a, a Guernsey captive. In practice, it's probably not, it's probably marginal there as to whether it's uh, economic. But once you get up to sort of billion of liabilities, uh, typically, we find that the Guernsey captive route is um, is the most cost effective. So, and, and then in terms of the reinsurance pricing, we find there's a a sweet spot, if you like, around pricing because of 12, 13 reinsurers in the market who target different segments, and there's a sweet spot around the two to three billion. So, you're likely to see transactions in the, the one billion, two billion, three billion range, and then there are a few that have. Uh, have been larger than that, um, where the reinsurer has, has capacity and appetite. In terms of our experience, all of the Guernsey longevity swaps that, that we've done have all been sort of starting at, at 1.2 billion. And then obviously, the largest longevity swap that Guernsey's done is, is the 16 billion one, BT one. But yeah, they, they generally tend to be over a billion. So in terms of uh, timelines, then, uh, once an organization decides it wants to execute a longevity transfer with a, with a Guernsey IC. How long does this process take and what are some of the steps involved, Ian? Perhaps I can take that question you know, for your listeners back a, back a little to the, the overall process. Generally, we believe a, a reasonable timeline for from the point of when a, when a pension scheme decides they want to hedge longevity risk to the point of being of executing is about, it's about 12 months. My start point there is slightly before your question, actually, Richard, because there is a there is a piece of analysis that um, the pension scheme will do before they conclude they wish to use a Guernsey captive. They will be doing some some risk analysis on the longevity risk, but they'll also be taking a view of the of, of the options that we talked about a little earlier between using using a captive or or using a, a, a UK insurer pass through. That that first piece probably takes about three months. So to answer your question, from the point that they've decided to transact using a Guernsey captive, um, the elapsed time is, is about nine months, give or take. Obviously, the decision to, to use a, a Guernsey captive has been made over that process that Ian's been talking about. Uh, when it comes to Guernsey, Obviously, there are various steps that need to be done in Guernsey to incorporate the structure, but it's, it takes a very similar process to a standard captive establishment. It depends if you're setting up your own incorporated cell company structure or just taking a cell in an existing structure in terms of timings, because obviously setting up the entire ICC structure takes a little longer. But from the Guernsey side, it, it can be done in, in two to four months. If you're just taking a cell in an existing structure, it can be done in in two months. But as I say, it's similar to a standard captive establishment. Obviously, you need your constitutional documents, you need your memorandum and articles of incorporation, and you might include in there some shareholder approval consents for, for the trustee. So certain matters that require shareholder approval, we typically do that. And then the cell needs to be managed by a local Guernsey license insurance manager. Uh, and so there's an insurance management agreement that needs to be entered into. And typically, the, the trustee will enter into that 
alongside the ICC and the insurance manager. And then when the incorporated cell has been formed, the incorporated cell is also a party to that insurance management agreement. Uh, And then there's the application to the Guernsey regulator for the licensing of the cell. And that involves submitting an application form and three-year business plan with um, financial projections, along with various KYC on, on the controllers and directors of the structure. And any individual controller or director um, has to submit an online personal questionnaire to the Guernsey regulator. The board's usually comprised of at least three directors. And as I said before, the trustee can appoint a representative to the board, but uh, usually at least a majority of the board are provided by the Guernsey insurance manager. Uh, And that's important uh, when we we talk about governance later on. You need to ensure that there's a majority of board members that will be able to be physically present in Guernsey for board meetings to ensure that the mind and management and control of the cell is in Guernsey. So some thought goes into the board composition as well. And then the cell can't do any business, of course, until it's been licensed by the the Guernsey regulator. But all during the application process to the Guernsey regulator, obviously, there's comments on the transaction documents that uh, need to be made from the Guernsey perspective to ensure that the transaction documents, which are usually English law governed, still fulfill all the Guernsey regulatory requirements as well. So, so, Richard, it's probably worth just adding to what Kate has just said. The business plan and the, the submissions to the regulator, of course, are reliant on the terms negotiated with the reinsurer, and that all goes into the to, to the documentation. So, the project as a whole, if you like, is all running running in parallel. So, matters such as the arrangements for collateralizing of the longevity swap all need to be concluded in order that that, that full business plan and submission can go to the regulator. So, j- just to finish off then, Kate, you touched upon there some of the board makeup and the importance of, of having mind and management, obviously, in Guernsey. Um, can you expand a bit further on, on what the governance of the IC looks like and, and, and I guess, equally importantly, what the importance of, of having that good governance in place is? Yeah, so the, the Guernsey regulator has always expected the management and control of a Guernsey insurance company to be exercised from Guernsey. And so that obviously involves having board decisions being made in Guernsey. But also recently, um, since 2019, the EU brought in requirements for economic substance and Guernsey introduced its version of these economic substance requirements. And essentially, this means that as a matter of law under these economic substance regulations, the insurer has to be directed and managed from Guernsey. And that involves by default holding meetings in Guernsey, or at least a majority of board meetings in Guernsey. And at those Guernsey board meetings, there should be at least a majority of directors present physically in Guernsey for those meetings. That's an absolute requirement if you're considering 
core income generating activities like underwriting. If they are non-core income generating activities that the board is considering, then you only require a quorum of directors to be physically present in Guernsey. But in practice, you always ensure that you have that majority of directors physically present in Guernsey for those board meetings when you're deciding key matters for the board. The other elements of these economic substance regulations are that your core income generating activities, that is predicting and calculating risk, insuring, reinsuring and strategic decision making on client services need to be carried on in Guernsey. Now that's uh, obviously the board takes a central role in in all of that um, activity. But being able to carry on your core income generating activities in Guernsey is easily managed through having the Guernsey Licensed Insurance Manager, which does the day-to-day management of the company. And the the Licensed Insurance Manager obviously has all the um, adequate staff and physical presence in Guernsey that's required under these economic substance regulations. The insurance manager provides the registered office and resident agent and liaison with the, the Guernsey regulator. And so it's, it's really easily done to comply with the economic substance regulations in Guernsey. It's something that's been done for, for many, many years uh, as a requirement of the Guernsey regulator. Uh, it's just that now, since 2019, we have these EU economic substance regulations that have been put into law as well. But essentially, they don't change what was the practice in Guernsey. Uh, and, it's, and it's very easy to establish the economic substance required. In terms of board meetings, the number of board meetings a year can range, obviously, but most of the decision making and the longevity swap is done up front because these are very long term transactions. And so you obviously have a board meeting on establishment of the cell, uh, then a board meeting to enter into the longevity swap documents. And then you would have your your normal corporate governance, regular board meetings, perhaps another one or two uh, meetings after that in the first year. Going forwards in year two onwards, you would probably typically have two board meetings a year. So it's all very easily done uh, and achievable. And it's not an onus on the trustee to ensure compliance. The local insurance manager fulfills many of the local substance requirements and manages compliance with the rest. So it's absolutely straightforward business in Guernsey. Well, thank you to Kate Storey and Ian Ailey for, I think, a very, very in-depth and valuable podcast on pension longevity transfers. I certainly have taken a lot of new information and context away with me from that interview. If you would like more information on Walker's Captive Services, then please do visit their Friend of the Podcast page on the globalcaptivepodcast.com website, and there are links in the episode show notes as well. In the meantime, stay safe, stay well, and see you next time, captives. Mm